Welcome to the third edition of the Kentucky High School Baseball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Levi Bristow, and today I'm sitting down with the defending state champion, Coach Andy Porta, which is an exciting time, as we mentioned last time, about the conventions going on this weekend. And uh, Coach Porta is actually going to be talking about the yearly calendar and uh, what it takes to, to kind of develop that championship program, as he's had multiple championships, as most of you are aware of. So today, we're sitting here with Coach Porter, and we'll get started. So how are we doing today, Coach? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on, Levi. Of course, man. Of course. So tell us about how you got started in coaching. Uh, you know, I mean, when I was a student, I went to St. X, and I played both basketball and baseball, and uh, I, I felt like I had really good coaches, uh, and, and it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be a coach. I knew I, from a player standpoint, I knew I wasn't good enough to, to play, you know, big league ball or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so I knew, you know, someday I wanted to be a coach. Uh, and, you know, by my senior year, you know, there were assistant baseball coaches calling me Coach Porter back then. Oh, you know, nice. Jokingly, yeah. they also knew that that That's was awesome. my desire. Um, and so I just I went to school. I knew I wanted to be a teacher in order to coach and, uh, you know, got back as quick as I could. There was, there was one year when I graduated from college where they weren't able to hire me. They didn't have any openings. So I spent mm-hmm. a year at Nelson County teaching and coaching down there. Uh, and then the very next year, they had an opening year, and they called me and said, do you want it? And I've been here ever since. This is my – I'm starting my 27th year at St. X. That's awesome. So you mentioned you knew right away you want to be a coach, and that's actually a common theme, especially with a lot of the coaches that have you know gone on pretty far, um, like Coach Corbins and um, at Vanderbilt and Coach McDonald at, 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 um, at UofL. As I heard him talk yesterday in a podcast, how he knew right away he wanted to be a coach. So did you tend to follow your – kind of dig into your head co- your head coach's minds back then or were you just kind of like trying to how'd you plan stuff or what kind of di- how'd you dive further in that interest when you're still a player you know I, I was never the most athletic mm-hmm. either on the basketball court or on the baseball field so I I knew that I was pretty cerebral I knew to use my brain how can I how can I figure out you know ways to have success and not be the most athletic kid on the court or on the field uh you know so in basketball if I wasn't one of the five guys on the court I'm as close to the coaches and I'm kind of paying attention in the huddle uh you know making adjustments in my head Uh, you know sometimes you're agreeing or disagreeing in your head with what the head coach is doing at the time whether it's freshman ball JV ball Mm -hmm. um you know likewise in baseball it's you know you're constantly kind of paying attention and it's almost like you're trying to plan before the coaches even say something and and yeah, a lot of times you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I would have done too. Yeah. And, uh, I had two older brothers. Uh, they both played sports, and and you know, at one point, one of my older brothers was playing in one of these rec basketball leagues. And when I had free time, when I wasn't playing and practicing for St. X, I'd go coach his team. So I was I was a <laughs> year or awesome. two younger than those yeah. guys, but I was coaching their rec basketball team. Uh, and just enjoyed kind of the X's and O's and and trying to outthink your opposing coach. Yeah. So along the way, who would you say was your your, your main mentor mentors? Now I know you you had like a unique kind of perspective coming from so many years coaching basketball then to baseball, but you were baseball first, then basketball or both. Yeah. When I when I got back at Saint X, I did both for five years. Right. Uh, and and that was that was rough. Um, you know, the, the one advantage to doing baseball after basketball was that for those five years, I never had to go through tryouts. I never had to go through cuts. Yeah. Uh, my roster was always handed to me because we were pretty successful. I worked underneath Joe Bergamini, and he's he's like a, a legend, uh, just a great human being. Uh, in fact, Joe, you know, I played for Joe. He was my JV coach, and then I was able to come back and be his assistant coach while he was the varsity head coach. But, um, you know, it, it was nice 
It was rough doing back-to-back -back seasons, no free time whatsoever, but at least by the time we were done with most of the year's regional basketball play, baseball had already gone through trials, had already gone through cuts. I'd take a day and all of a sudden, you know, at the time it was either Joe White or Gary Grenizen were the two different head coaches with right. baseball that I worked under. They'd just say, here's your JV roster now, you know, go introduce yourself to those kids and get to work. Because uh, honestly, the tryout process is, that's, that's tough as a coach. I mean, you know, I mean, when you've got to tell good kids that you can't play, of course. That's, that's the toughest part of our job. Um, now that I'm not doing basketball, then obviously now it's 100% it's trials, it's your freshman JV varsity. Uh, but that was an advantage of, of, you know, let's do basketball practically year-round, let's roll into baseball, finish out the year, and then just repeat that cycle. And I did that. I did both sports for five years. That's, that's amazing. Um, so I, I always think me personally, one of my biggest things that I didn't have the advantage of was I've always been a head coach. So I went from like, but I went from Little League, you know, Little League head coach, of course, the middle school, then high school, and I didn't have a chance to be an assistant and kind of sit back and just coach baseball. Plus, everybody loves the assistant coach, right? right. So my, right. my hitting coach right now, my pitching coach, everybody loves them. Right. So Coach Bristol comes in, it's not as, not as you know, exactly. not as much cookies and rainbows. So I got to tell them, hey, pick it up, hey, so let's go. Let's, let's, stop, let's stop messing around, right? So, so what would you say was the biggest advantage you had being like a JV baseball coach? I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. As, as an assistant coach, you can throw out all these suggestions, and if they work, great. If not, hey, it's not my fault. It's the head coach's fault, right? right? Yeah, you know? of course. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah. like I said, when I worked under Joe Berger, I mean, Joe, he really, really mentored you and wanted you to offer a ton of suggestions. Yeah. And, and Joe was one of those guys, too. I learned so much from him that, you know, if you did offer a suggestion and it worked out and helped you win a ball game, he's the first to lump praise on you in yeah. front of the kids, in front of the media, in front of the parents. And, awesome. and it's like, you know what? We did this because of what mm -hmm. Coach Porter recommended. And at the same time, if, if a suggestion I had didn't work, he wouldn't say a word about Coach Porta offered that suggestion. Yeah. He knew to take, he'd be the fall That's guy. Uh, and I try to do the same thing around the kids right now as a head coach. I mean, I'm I'm praising our assistant coaches and letting them know. A lot of times we'll, we'll I, I try to purposely say we instead of I. You know, we as a staff, you know, this is yeah. what we want to accomplish. Uh, and, and I will, you know, if, if the hitting coach, you know, had a great suggestion on, hey, this is our approach today against this kid. Uh, this is what we need to do in the box, and if it works, then I'm going to praise that coach and then let him know. If something doesn't work, I'm not going to blame him. Just you know, it's it's my fault if it didn't work. Likewise with your pitching coaches, with your defense coaches, base running. I mean, I think I think you've got to throw those guys a bone. I want those guys to want to be head coaches. Mm -hmm. And I say it, I say it at our year-end banquet, you know, in front of the parents, in front of the kids. I'm blessed to have some incredible, incredible assistant coaches. Yeah. And I truly feel like every one of them could be a head coach anywhere in the state right now, including my job. Right, of course. Um, you know, so uh, I, I learned a lot of that being an assistant coach and, and underneath the head coaches that I was fortunate enough to work with. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like another common theme among some of the best programs in the country is that they do they 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 give their assistant coach some freedom to do their job right. instead of being on top of them, micromanaging them. Um, just, so I love the fact that you praise the coaches in front of the other players. That's something I'm definitely gonna. I think I do it, but I maybe I can do it some, do, do it some more. So yeah. I love that coach. So if I was to interview your team right now and ask them. What do you think of the phrases or the culture? Kind of describe the say next program as far as Coach Porter and the things he thinks are most important. You know, I, I think, that especially the upper class, maybe not the freshmen or sophomores yet, but I think the upperclassmen would definitely say that our program is very driven. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're goal-oriented. 
there's a right way and a wrong way and we want to stress the right way at all times it doesn't matter if we're running sprints in December and January lifting weights you know fielding fungos but I I would like to think that they would say man this program is really driven there's there's no you know let's take a day off here mm -hmm. let's let's right. relax and screw yeah. around and create bad habits it's there's a purpose for everything we do even if it seems like we're on the track one day there's still a purpose for everything we do and uh, you know, getting to those old, that ultimate goal of a, of a state championship, and and we openly talk about it. You know, the kids know we're not shying away from it. I mean, yesterday, uh, Coach Lyons and I were out on the warning track, and we're running a series of sprints, and, and Coach Lyons is, you know, talking about, you know, there's somebody out there right now that's trying to run harder than us, saying they're going to beat St. X. You know, when the season right. starts, and yeah, of course, uh, it's 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 a driven program. It really is from top to bottom. Now, do you guys ever take any practices or, or days you? Like team building stuff, like maybe let the kids play flag football or just or just yeah, anything we, like that. We really do, uh, and, and you know some of this I'll mention at the, at the convention this afternoon. Um, some of it's weather related. Mm -hmm. uh, some of it, like in the fall, you know we've got beautiful facility out here, but in the fall we're lucky if we get on our baseball field one day a week. So yeah. a lot of times we're down the hill at Germantown. Now you've got skid infield, you've got you know grass outfield, mm -hmm. uh, but no, we do, and and the kids they they kind of look forward to those days. Um, I know there's some coaches that believe you don't want your kids doing other sports because they're going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. But uh, our kids know if, if, if it's too cold to be outside, if the AD says, you know, our rule is zero wind chill, mm -hmm. then you have to stay inside. If I can right. get to the gym, we're going to play basketball. The kids oh, nice. are going to tee it up, we're yeah. going to play basketball. They That's love awesome. that. Yeah. Uh, we've done dodgeball. We've done kickball mm -hmm. before. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, we worked so hard in the conditioning phase, and it was like, all right, this is our last day of conditioning before tryouts. And then we start for real, uh, and and sometimes you play with the kids. You kind of set them up like this is going to be the hardest, toughest day. And all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden, you got a soccer ball behind yeah, your back, that's or a football awesome. behind your back. I like the that. Kids go crazy. Yeah, they yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some kids get injured, but you know what? I, I, no matter what you do, the kids are gonna they're gonna they're gonna play. You know. Uh, rec basketball, intramural stuff like that. So you can't you can't hold it over them and say you're not allowed to do anything but baseball. That's that's gonna make their life miserable. So we definitely have some of those fun days where you know they're still exercising when they play basketball. Uh, being a former basketball coach, I can create some some ways to oh that's an advantage. That's yeah, an advantage. We'll, sometimes we'll yeah. do three or four teams at a time, and as soon as a bucket scored, another team's sprinting on with a ball, and now you got to play transit. So it ends up being more conditioning oh, than you realize. Yeah, so yeah. it's not just five on five going up and down jacking threes we'll we'll put some great rules in uh, and, and you know they're breaking a sweat and getting after it that's awesome and as so as far as as a head coach you know you talked about a little bit earlier before we got on the podcast about you know you kind of let your pitching coach do the pitching stuff the, the hitting coach do the hitting things what do you feel like as a head coach your strengths are and maybe some of your weaknesses uh, I guess my biggest strength is being organized. Uh, even in the classroom, I'll tell the kids, I, you know, if anybody sees my handwriting, it is horrible. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, the worst too. handwriting. Yeah. But, you know, I, mm. uh, in that regard, I know, okay, I'm going to type stuff. But I, I tell the kids there's a difference between sloppy and organized. I said, I know my handwriting is sloppy, but I said, yeah. I'm organized. We, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Where there's a method mm. to our madness. Uh, and likewise with the baseball program, I just feel like I'm very organized. You know, you know when to communicate with parents. You know when to communicate yeah. with kids. The kids know the routine. You present calendars with them. Um, you know, and something that I really—it's it's a pet peeve of mine—is with with all the technology. I'm still trying to force the kids to talk to me face to face. Because right. They want to text you. They yeah. want to email you. They want to take that easy way out. 
uh, and we tell them all the time, we say, that's your last resort. You know, I'm in the building. You know my two class. I teach out of two different classrooms, mm-hmm. assistant coaches. You know what room. You come tell a coach face-to-face. Yeah. You know, if it's an absolute emergency, like that. then that's fine. We understand. Yeah, you text us. We're, we're big on communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you're, you're trying to teach them those interpersonal skills that sometimes with the cell phones especially, and, and we have iPads. Every kid in the building gets an iPad. So right, they naturally just want to text and tweet and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shoot emails. Uh, and, and you know, so if I get one from a kid and I know he could have told me face to face, you know, first off, okay, thanks. I appreciate you giving me the heads right. up. I got this. Mm-hmm. Now, how about in the future? How about you seek me out and talk to me face to face? And most of them, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they get to hang with you. Still get some younger kids that, you know, they're, they're afraid of adults and they're not used to talking to adults. But uh, being organized, I think, and, and doing stuff like that, I think, is my strength. Weakness, you know, I saw your questions that you emailed me, um, and, and I know I've grown as a head coach, and, and my, my recommendation for all young head coaches would be don't try to do too much. Yeah. If I compare the way I coach third now versus the way I coach third base six, seven, eight years ago, Gosh, you're constantly thinking about, man, we, we can bunt here, we can hit and run here, we can right. steal, we can do this. And sometimes you run yourself out of an inning. Uh, sometimes you just have to relax and let the kids get you through it. Uh, you know, when we finally broke through in, in 2014 in one state, I probably did the least amount of kind of X's and O's coaching, and you just you know, let the kids do their job. Now, there's always going to be certain times you're like, hey, we need to bunt here, mm-hmm. we need to do this. But there's other times you need to just kind of be hands off a little bit. And and as a young coach, it took me a year or two to get used to that. And I've even had some people away from the program that I respect and are very knowledgeable in baseball. They would even bring that to my attention after the fact. They said, boy, we just see a different coach now than when you first started. Yeah. Um, So that would be my recommendation to young coaches is don't try to overdo it. Sometimes you just you, you let the kids play, and, and they're going to make things work for you. That's in my, when I'm coaching third base, I try to tell myself a lot of times, let the kids play the game. Don't try to get too involved. Yeah. Let them make the let them make the you know the, the decisions and, and react accordingly. And, and sometimes I do. I find myself trying to steal too much, and you know doing things, trying to especially at third base. We love stealing third base, and right. and uh, being uber aggressive there. And there's a couple of times I've been like, yeah, you know what? I probably should have let the just let the kids decide the inning, not me. Right. Know? So that's that's great advice right there, coach. Because I can definitely say this is my third year at Oldham County, and um, I'm definitely going to try to incorporate that myself. So. Um, I know you've won multiple state, state titles, Andy. I mean, it's, since you've been at St. X, this program has been something that I know I've kind of looked into. I know I have the advantage a little bit because, you know, this morning I dropped my boy off to school here. He's a sophomore here at St. X. This was many times, especially in the fall, we got done working out at, at Oldham County in the mornings. I kind of drive by your baseball field. So I, I noticed, I'm like, yeah, there's a lacrosse team or a football practice in the baseball field. What are the, what's the baseball program doing, right? Because, of right. course, success leaves clues. So. What was some of the differences between your teams that got over the hump and maybe the teams that, that fell short going towards state? Wow. Um, you know, I think luck's the first thing. Right. I yep. mean, every coach mm-hmm. is going to have to admit that. Yeah, because, of course. You know, before last year's team, I told everybody I thought my 2013 team was the most talented team I had, and those guys didn't win a state championship. We lost right. to a PRP in, mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals, but, you know, Pitching-wise, hitting-wise, defense-wise, I felt like that. Until last year's team, I thought that was the most talented team that I had coached, so we just didn't have the luck to kind of get over the hump. PRP beat us in the quarterfinals. Last year's team, I think, had more, finally had more talent. 
but first and foremost, you know, sometimes it does just come down to luck. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what sport you look at. You can look at the NCAA tournament. You can look at our, you know, our Sweet 16 mm -hmm. or whatever format we're going to with the, the round of eight. Um, sometimes it's just the team that's playing the best that week that wins and, and not necessarily the best team in the state. But uh, sometimes you get you get that luck and sometimes you feel like you have both. Sometimes you feel like you have the best team in the state and you got a little bit of luck that, that mm -hmm. got you through. Um, you know, chemistry I think is big and we really, you know, that, that was something that I had to kind of change that environment and it was even, you know, back in the 80s when I played, that was, that was part of the environment for the longest time was there's a pecking order. Right. If you're a senior, it's your turn to play. If yes. you're a junior, you might get to play some, but it's not your turn yet. You kind of wait. And if you're a sophomore, don't even think about varsity. If you're a freshman, don't even think about JV. And that was a big thing that we changed here. We changed yeah. the environment in a hurry. Um, unfortunately, we had to cut some returning players. My first year coaching, we, we it was a firestorm because uh, we were left with, I think, about 14 or 15 returning seniors. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I'm going to keep 14 or 15 seniors. Yeah. It's just not a way to build a program. Um, you know, we, we try to intentionally leave a little bit lower numbers, so I want my sophomores to be hungry. In fact, I, I jumped to sophomores earlier this week when I didn't think they were running hard enough, and I said, if you guys are, think you're trying out for the JV team right now, you're wrong. You are trying out for the varsity team. I want you that hungry as a sophomore to try to get in there and get some playing time. And, and it took us a couple of years to change that culture, but now I think, I think the program, I think the kids realize he's going to play the best. And it yeah. doesn't matter what grade level you are, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, the best are going to get to play. Um, and I think that has made a huge difference to mm -hmm. us having some success now. Now I feel like, you know, we do have all four grade levels hungry to get to that varsity as soon as possible and not wait until their junior and senior year. That's great. I, I'm definitely going to steal that from you with the sophomores. And and um, I, I, I had a similar situation at Open County. It was, I, when I took the job in 2017, they came off the regional championship in 2016. They had like 13 seniors. And, uh, and so I – started playing some freshmen that were deserving my they got the the pinch run or get some at bats right. or pitch I, I had three freshmen played and i remember the uh the, we were playing atherton and i remember that some of the seniors like why are these freshmen playing i was like hey they've earned it and it's the best kids play so it's we're still fighting that right now but i think we're getting there i think we're getting there um so describe your off season how you guys attack the fall i know we kind of dove into a little bit with conditioning and things like that but as far as fall like what your priorities are kind of just dive in a little bit to like what, what you all focusing right now and then of course you're moving forward before tryouts i mean we get started you know first week of school we have meetings we get organized with all four grade levels uh we tell the kids hey this isn't mandatory but if you're not playing football soccer cross country uh, and you're going home and just playing Fortnite or screwing around and right. that. Yeah, why aren't you here working out? And, yeah. and we tell them our off season is to get you better as an individual. So come February 15th, you've got the best chance to make the team. So uh, during the season, we say that's when the team gets better. But the whole off season, that's when you get better as an individual. So uh, we go basically uh, the end of August, all September, and all October. We're five days a week with all four grade levels. There's a long toss program that we do three days a week. We lift three days a week. Uh, we don't do as much hitting and defense. It's usually one day of hitting, one day of defense. We focus more on the getting stronger, getting arms stronger. Uh, we run uh, three days a week, so it's it's 
you know, two days of kind of specific baseball skills, infield, outfield, fungos, stuff like that. We don't throw any bullpens or anything like that. We're just working on getting bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, we, we take uh, November off. This is the first year we took December off. We usually start coming back in December, but we found out it's too chopped up because we start for a week yeah. and a half. Christmas then the break. school makes us stop during exam week. And unless you're basketball, wrestling, or right. swimming, unless you're in season, you can't do anything during exam week. And then you get into Christmas break. Some of the kids are around, some of the kids aren't. So this is the first time we've tried it this year. Is we said we're taking November and December off. Since uh, January, what was it, January 2nd was our first day back mm. with conditioning. School hadn't started up until the 6th, but January 2nd we started back up. And, and it's a similar routine now, but there's a little more defense, a little more hitting, but it's still long toss three days a week, lift three days a week. Uh, we condition. Uh, we start doing more base running now. Uh, in the fall, sometimes it's we're just running sprints one day, distance one day, mid middle distance another. Now it's it's uh, let's, let's mix in some more base running. Of course, yeah. Uh, I get more coaches involved here in the spring, in the in the January February month. Sometimes in the fall, it might be me and two other coaches. Yeah. And sometimes you might you're trying to scramble to keep you know 50 kids where they're not standing around. But now we get some more coaches there, so our running might be hey. You, you 12 guys go with Coach Lyons, you 12 guys go with Coach Pat's out, I've got you 12 guys here, and then we'll do a rotation, almost like camp when you do camp, right. and it's like yeah. eight minutes, boom, the buzzer sounds, everybody rotate, eight minutes, boom, everybody rotate, so uh, we get after it pretty good all the way up until February 15th, and, and we constantly tell the kids it's not mandatory, it's not mandatory, but I still take attendance. I learned I learned along the hard way uh, years ago, uh, you know, hey, it wasn't mandatory, so I'm not taking attendance. Well, we get to tryouts, and I end up cutting this one young man who was, uh, he was in the program two years, I think it was, and we cut him his junior year. Yeah. His dad pissed a fit, you know, what are you doing? My son did all these workouts, and uh, I said, sir, I didn't take attendance, but I'm pretty sure your son wasn't around, but maybe 5% yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out he was telling his dad he was at workouts, and he was walking down the street to Dairy Queen, meeting his girlfriend, hanging out with her for two hours, and then coming back here and getting picked up. I and see. Yeah. So from then on, uh, I learned my lesson, and yeah. we we still take attendance just so <laughs> I can great. have a record of mm -hmm. who's here. And you know, we tell them, you know, you don't have to be at anything. Come right, February fifteenth, if, if yeah. the coaches think you're the best, one of the best players, we've got to keep you. I'm going to ask you where the hell you've been. Why right, haven't you been here? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. the reverse is true. We've had kids that have perfect attendance, just great kids. They work their butt off. They come to everything, and then come February fifteenth, the coaching staff says he's still not good enough to be mm -hmm. on there. So. That's the tough thing, you know, and you, but you tell them up front, this doesn't guarantee you a thing, but at least you can look in the mirror and say, I did everything I could to try to, try to make that team. The coaches just didn't see it versus, well, I was at home playing video games. Right, of course. Yeah, that's, yeah, those are the hardest kids to cut for sure. The ones yeah, that are there every day, bust their butt, they buy into everything, they go above and beyond fundraising, they do everything you ask them to do, and then the day comes and you're like, I'm sorry, you know. And the so. thing, you know, Sometimes those kids turn out to be managers, and mm -hmm. it's incredible. It really is because they've developed those. They've been blood, sweat, and tears with their with the, their classmates, with their mm -hmm. teammates, if you will. But unfortunately, they get cut. And we try to stress to all of them, you know, after the emotions die down, because I'm the bad guy, get that. Right, we course. can talk, blah blah blah. But if you still want to be around these guys, come see me, and we'll let you be a manager. And mm -hmm. sometimes those are my best managers, the kids that went through that whole conditioning yeah. process, that whole tryout process. 
and they end up, you know, last year we had a senior manager that he was in the program for two years. We cut him as junior and senior, but both years he was manager, and he's been one of the best managers I've ever had, and he was a teammate. The, mm -hmm. the fellow seniors treated him just like a player. He just wasn't wearing a uniform. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that's that's kudos to keeping those guys on. Um, so do you have any daily habits or routines you like to share or any superstitions pregame or anything like that? No, really no superstitions. They asked a lot. Of that. Last year the media asked that a lot mm -hmm. uh, as we were going through that winning streak, and, and I don't feel like I have any superstitions. I mean, you know, daily routines for me personally. My wife and I get up at 4.50. We walk the dog for about 45 That's minutes, uh, and then we jog three miles um, and then come into work. Um, as far as routines, I mean, it's it's BP before every game, whether we're home or on the road. Yeah. You know, if we're going on the road, you know, we'll hustle out to the cages. Or if we've got more time, if it's a 7 o'clock start, obviously we've got plenty of time. But you know, if it's a 5 o'clock start, we still say, you know, put some shorts on. Let's meet out the cages real quick, get some swings in. Um, you know, some of our routines have changed for years. We I had a CDL, and for years we drove our own buses. And I love that because you were in control. You yeah. knew when we were leaving, if you wanted to detour, if you wanted to you know, delay it, if you wanted to leave early, you had the keys to the bus. Uh, the school has since gone to, uh, we have to hire bus drivers now. So that was a routine that we had to get used to. Um, and, and you felt like you were inconveniencing a driver that had nothing to do with your program. But as the year went on, you finally realized it doesn't matter. They're getting paid regardless of whether you're early, late, on time. Right, of course. You know, no yeah. matter what you do. So it, it took us a while to get used to that. Um, but now, I mean, our, our routines are just, you know, the guys know, you know, what time you're hitting, what time the bus loads, you know, when you need to be on campus, stuff like that. Uh, we, we publish a lot of it. I'm big at, at putting stuff up on the locker room door where the kids can see it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell them, you know, if you can't remember stuff, take a picture of it with your phone. But right, I really don't use Twitter that mm -hmm. much for the routine stuff. I, I don't use Twitter at all, actually, but I will send, you know, group text or group emails if there's change of plans. Like last Saturday with the snow, we had to, we had to cancel our morning bullpen, so I used the group email, group text for that. But I don't use, like, a, a team Twitter page. But... Um, no, it's just kind of the routine. The kids know the routine. Even now when we do the conditioning, the kids know, the upperclassmen know. Coach unlocks those gates. You know, don't stand around and wait for things to get started. Let's go get stretched mm -hmm. out. Seniors will go lead and get them in lines and get, get going. Uh, they know what days we're running, what days we're long tossing. It's, it's kind of the routine of, of the program, and the upperclassmen know exactly what to expect and what to do. Before we wrap this up, I'm just going to dive into a couple of things you said. So the long toss program, do you use the Alan Yeager one with pull downs or the bands before? Is it something more specific, different? That no. Uh, oh, who was the old uh, Braves pitching coach with Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and those guys? I can picture him sitting there. I can see him too. I, I can't uh, think of his name, but I'm sure some of us One of my is. assistant coaches, Ben Cottrell, pulled yeah. up some stuff from him and some teams in some high school and college teams in Georgia. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now, that was another mistake I made my first year is you just told the kids to go long toss and assume they knew what to do or or you gave them the program in writing and you said now go down to Germantown and do it or go out you know in an open field and do it and obviously they never did I mean it's high school kids it's teenage yes. boys you have to be present you have to be looking over their shoulders so uh, but no, we don't. The, the, the kids that are using the bands and stuff like that are doing that on their own. Ours is, yeah, you're getting stretched out, you're getting loose, you're getting loose to 30 yards. And then once we're fully into it, it takes us a while to build up to it. It's 10 throws from 30, 10 from 40, 10 from 50. So we go all the way to 100 yards and we tell them, 
A lot of you guys can't throw at 90 yards, 100 yards. We don't want the moon shots. We want well, a line drive that bounces yeah. once or twice. Uh, pitchers are throwing two changeup grips every 10. Mm-hmm. Um, we even incorporate positions. You know, we'll talk about if you're a catcher, you know, okay, from from 30 yards, you're going to simulate receive it and pick a runner at first. Mm-hmm. Now receive it and pick a runner at third. From 40 and 50 yards, you're going to simulate throwing to second. So receive it and fire straight at your mm-hmm. partner. Uh, infielders, we give them a, a distance where they're working, uh, you know, forehands, a, a shorter distance, whether it's 30 yards, 40 yards. Then we're working backhands, like a shortstop mm-hmm. in the hole, right, maybe of course. from 50 yep. yards. Then from 60 yards, we say, okay, now you're simulating. You're the relay guy out in the outfield. So after I receive a throw from you, I'm going to turn my back to you and act like I'm receiving one from here mm-hmm. and work my footwork and throw it to you like you're the third baseman or the catcher. Outfielders, when are we when are we doing ground balls? When are we doing backhands? When are we doing fly balls? So we give them, we assign them based on their position. If you play more than one position on Monday, you simulate your infield footwork. On Wednesday, you come back and simulate your outfield footwork. Friday, you're back to infield. Um, and then they'll come back to 50 for 10 more. Mm-hmm. Pitchers will come back to 20 or 25 and just spin 10. Right. Your partner doesn't get down, yeah. but you're just spinning the ball a little bit. And uh, We've seen great games. We've got a jugs gun, and, and we'll pre- and post-test, and we'll see great games with these guys. We still get some kids, you know, for years it was the velocity program. Coach, they'll show up, but I'm going to go do core because I'm, I can't throw today because I'm on the velocity program. Now it's the driveline program. Right, of course. Coach, I'll show yeah. up. I'm, I'll do core and, and running, but I'm not going to throw because I'm doing driveline. And, and we don't discourage that, but we let them know and let parents know you don't have to pay to do our long toss program. Yeah, this it's is free. free. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but we tell them the bottom line is you get out whatever you put in. And of course. If somebody does velocity one day every two weeks, they're not getting squat out of it. Mm-hmm. If somebody does our long toss one day every two weeks, they're not getting anything out of it. It's got to be a commitment. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that is a little different. And um, but again, I, I can understand the basics of it. And so you also said that real quick. That your bullpen, you throw your bullpen in the morning. Is that what you do? We that? do right now. Uh, basically, in the past, it was December, January, February. So now it's January, February, Saturday morning. We do bullpens over in our indoor facility. Okay. At Eight a.m. We'll sign kids up. Uh, in fact, right now we're still. We haven't even thrown breaking ball. We're still tomorrow morning. It'll be fastball chains. They're going to be up to about 35, 40 pitches. Fastball chains. We've got three mounds in there. We can work three at a time. And, and I mean, right now we've got a ton because it's before cuts. So right, of like, course. Like, yeah, I would say there's probably going to be 23 to 25 pitchers will be thrown starting at 8 a.m. Sometimes we get so many we have to kick it to like 7:30 in the morning. And that's just so just on Saturdays that's the bullpen. Saturday mornings. Gotcha. And how long do you just stick to that Saturday bullpen routine until after tryouts or until we get to tryouts? Once we get to tryouts, honestly, we probably won't need any more bullpens until we're in season mm-hmm. and somebody hasn't gotten enough innings. Right, of course. Uh, but tryouts will go right to live pitchers and hitters, um, and then even our preseason practices. You know, it might be you three guys are each throwing a, a little two inning scrimmage against hitters here. Nice. Uh, but a lot of times we won't use bullpens again until we're in the season. If you have a bunch of rain or if you've got, you know, I, usually on varsity I'll have maybe 10 pitchers, but honestly about the top six are the ones that get the bulk of the innings. Right. So those those seven through 10, they might need to throw a side. They might need to throw either a flat ground or a bullpen just to get some work in. Mm-hmm. If it's a junior, sometimes I've sent them down to JV, especially if it's a home game. If I if it's a, a JV home game and I've got a junior pitcher hasn't thrown in two get weeks. Get the work in, right. I'll, yeah. You're going to throw four. 40 pitches. I'm going to be right there in the dugout with you. As soon as you're done, we're both hitting the showers yeah. and going home. You don't have to stay for the rest of the game. And, and again, I think if you just sent the kid to do it, it's a demotion. But I think if, 
If I can be there, if the pitching coach can be there, we're in his ear every half inning. Sometimes we'll tell him you're not swinging a bat. It's like minor league ball. You got sent down for a rehab assignment. Right, of course. Some innings, and then yep. boom, we're bringing you right back. And we never have them do it in place of a varsity game because then it does seem like a demotion. So we'll do it. If varsity, I'll look point. at my calendar. Yeah. If varsity are off on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I know I got this junior that needs some innings, and the JVs are playing, I'll tell the JV coach, I got a pitcher that's going to throw yeah. the first three innings. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> the last, last question. And that's as far as our association is concerned. We're starting to this podcast and also the Twitter stuff's kind of blowing up a little bit last few week, the week or so. I know we talked beforehand, but what are some suggestions you think can help grow the association regarding the or even the conference? You know, you know, I, I don't know if I have any because I've been pleased with that. I really do. I mean, I you know, I like the fact that we're trying to get as many coaches involved. I know Sherm sent out those emails and it looks like the numbers are getting close to four hundred yeah. for the comp for the uh, convention. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's great just to network with other coaches. And, I mean, I try to play somebody in West Kentucky every year, somebody in East Kentucky, Northern, Bowling Green. Um, you know, I, I really don't – I mean, I'm not going to say I've got recommendations or anything. I just – I guess I would say uh, if anybody's listening to this and they're not, you know, an active member in the association, get involved. I mean, I know Sherm will send out those emails in the 6th and 7th region. These are the schools that still haven't joined, and you're not going to be able to nominate your kids for postseason awards. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's just the networking. Get involved in the association just so you can kind of, you know, meet other people. And, and like we've said all along, you know, the more coaches you're around, you're going to steal good ideas from other coaches. That's what the name of the game is, is taking good ideas from other coaches. And I think you got to be involved in order to do that. Right, yeah. So that's kind of the – we talked about before other episodes that uh, that's kind of the mission behind this podcast, trying to combine those coaches in Western Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky. And I respond to Coach Varden – Varns yesterday, two days ago, and just bring those guys that understand where he's coming from, and you know, talk about the 16th region, how's baseball over there versus you know in Louisville, and right. in the second region with my alumni uh, alum school, Webster County, and 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 so that's kind of the mission behind it. I've been, it's we've had 160 coaches listening in, so I'm pretty happy with that. And and so that being said, thanks for joining us today, Coach Porter. I appreciate it. I hope the guys learned something from the from the defending state championship program. I know I did. I'm going to take some things back from me. And uh, I know we'll see you in about two months. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Mm-hmm.